All right, man, here we go. That time of here year. Here we go. It's that time of year. Yep, once a year, every year. So as we're recording this, the games ended within the last week or two? Let's see, they ended... Uh, a week and a half ago. August, yeah, okay, yeah. yep. So we're about 10 days out from when they ended, so we're going to try to get this posted as soon mm-hmm. as possible. But while this, anyone who's been listening to VNR for a while, probably safe to say knows that we're not a games and competition-focused show. People love the events, they love competition, and once a year we walk through the events and everyone always enjoys these programs. So here we are, the 2023 games are uh, behind us and we're going to walk through all the events. Yeah, hard to believe it's been a year. I remember sitting down to do this last year and uh, man, time flies. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's just a, a product of uh, being busy or what, but it sure does seem to just zip by these days. So you wear several hats, obviously. And mm-hmm. so what are your titles? I know your man loves titles. What's, <laughs> what, are your, what are your titles associated with your roles for the games? Well, I'm the competition director. Uh, that's that's the name that I've got. Um, and so I'm responsible for the programming for most of the divisions. Um, I, I should say all of the divisions. This year, I, I programmed everything. Obviously, it's not a one-man show. I think that's a big misconception that a lot of mm-hmm. people have where, you know, it's not just one person creating this dictate that everybody's got to follow. You bounce things off of a team. It gets filtered through a lot of different inputs. And ultimately, you end up with something that's, well, in this case, a lot different than where we started, uh, which is good because everybody's got blind spots. And if it's just a simple, mm-hmm. well, I wrote it out on a piece of paper and then that's exactly what we did, it, it wouldn't be high quality. You've got to put it through the test. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's worth noting that, that this is very, very um, collaborative process. And so for anybody at home, either watching this or has it on a podcast, if you want to probably get the full enjoyable experience, what would be a good way to do is either on your phone or laptop, call up the events, you can see them, because you know, I'll read them, but you know, you might get lost in the, in the sauce there, and you can read them, and then when we're talking through them, you'll have a nice visual representation as well, but there was four days of events that took place, August 3rd, mm-hmm. 4th, 5th, and 6th, and it looks like there was three events per day. Yep, so we had 12 events total. Yeah, you got it. Yep, okay. three a day, four days straight. You know, in years past, we've uh, had competition schedules where they start on Wednesday, get a Thursday off, and then compete through the weekend. Uh, we've done straight through schedules like this. Um, you know, a lot of that has to depend on what else is going on around campus. So it was kind of nice to get back to a really linear schedule for the individuals this year. Did you have any weather interruptions? We did not. And, you know, it was, uh, I feel like we made the appropriate offerings to the weather gods this year. <laughs> you know, we always have contingency plans um, to some degree, but this year we really beefed them up based on <laughs> what we got tagged with last year. Uh-huh. So we spent a lot of time going by event, by day, what would happen in terms of um, light conditions, moderate conditions, heavy conditions. You know, obviously, close of the campus due to lightning or some other severe weather is its own thing. But anything under that, we had all these contingency plans scripted out by event in much more detail than we have in years past. And of course, going of through course. that exercise, <laughs> you don't need it. So That's why you didn't it's need good. it. Yep. I mean, I, hey, I'll take that trade-off. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I would rather do the work and then not have to use it than, um, you know, to be yes. caught having to change the events. Because yep. that's always it's tough on everybody to have to make a change like that at the last minute. 
All right. Well, let's we'll dive in because if we don't, we're going to be here all into the evening as well. Mm. So let's see. August 3rd kicked it off with what's being called the ride. And this says complete as many laps as possible in 40 minutes on a Trek Bikes Marlin 8 mountain bike. You got it. Yep. Partnered with Trek. Uh, they're based out of Wisconsin, just uh, about 30 minutes outside of Oh, that's Madison. cool. Yeah, and they're a very cool company to work with. Uh, they've been super gracious with their time, so shout out to Trek. Um, uh, yeah, we uh, we had a ride planned. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And I think the interesting thing about this is that it's a little bit of a different format than CrossFitters may be used to. I mean, we kind of get binary in our thinking around it's four-time or it's AMRAP or mm -hmm. some other derivative, this is kind of in the middle ground. And so it says max laps in 40 minutes, but that time is not a hard time. It's max laps in 40 minutes, and then the gate on the lap closes. And so regardless of where you are on the track, at that 40-minute mark, you race to the finish. Because oh, okay. if it were to just stop at 40 minutes, the challenge over a course that's almost, well, it's about a mile and a half long, is how do you meaningfully rank people mm -hmm. accurately based on their position on the course? And so taking a nod from many cycling events, you have a set time, how many times can you pass through the gate within that set time? And then when the gate closes, no matter where you are, you just ra race until the finish to get your final positions. So if you and I completed 10 laps each, whoever beats one another to the finish wins, and we beat everybody else that only got nine laps. And okay. so on. And for the viewers at home, uh, my life got hectic during this time with, with three kids and other <laughs> stuff happening. And I, and I told you this as well. Like, I've more so than any other year, I've been disconnected. I didn't actually get a chance to like watch any of the events. I only, yeah. you know, know who won through like the internet. And so I'm learning a lot about these. I've looked over the events, obviously, and, and checked them all out because I'm fascinated by programming. But hearing mm. your thoughts on them is going to give me a lot of background and color that I don't have as well. So this first one here, was it just straight course or like it has been in the past, obstacles you're carrying the bike over, is any mounting or dismounting? So there was about, um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was, it's on the website, uh, 2,400 meters total of riding and then another 200 meters of running with the bike. Gotcha. So there okay. was a spot on the course that they had to dismount, go over a set of boards, run the bike, and then mount back on. And uh, that was a little bit longer than athletes wanted to, to be off the bike. I think there was uh, a lot of people <laughs> remarking that that was the hardest part of the course. Oh, really? Because, okay. yeah, you're, uh, well, it, let's talk about the effort itself, right? It's sustained effort for a long period of time, very stamina focused. Mm -hmm. And um, that transition from your legs just getting hammered to having a dismount, and it started with a kind of a gentle downhill run. So your legs are toast, you hop off the bike and you're trying to run at pace downhill. That was reported to be one of the hardest parts of the course, even though it was probably the less technical aspect of it. If there's something athletes love to do, it's go long with no loading whatsoever. That's right. Yeah, nowhere to hide, right? There was nothing <laughs> mm -hmm. to break it up. That's the, that was the real test there. All right, then we moved on to the second event for that day. It was called the Pig Chipper. Mm -hmm. For time, 10 pig flips. I'm sure it was light and easy. 25 <laughs> chest-to-bar pull-ups. 50 toes-to-bar. Yikes. After the 25 chest-to-bar pull-ups. A set of 100 wall ball shots. That's repulsive. And then... 
50 toes to bar, 25 chest to bars, and then 10 more pig flips. Okay, oof, yikes. Yeah. And let's see, the pig flip, what's the weight on the pig here? Do you recall off the top uh, of your head? I believe the men's pig is 510 pounds and the women's Oof. is 350. That's, I believe. So was that just, yeah. was it all about the pig in that workout or was it some of the wonderful stuff in the middle that really was a big separator? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I find it's always a strange critique and not that you're doing this, but a lot of people will do it where they kind of reduce an event down to like, oh, it's just all about this. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, sort of it's not to say that the rest of it is insignificant because you still have to be competent enough to do that you know like i understand the shorthand that people do mentally to try to say well the field's going to be relatively even here and this will be the separator i mm -hmm. get that but i also reject that in a way because there is so much that could go wrong with a workout that has this many reps in it oh, um without a doubt i would think with something like this if you're looking at, you know, there's four different movements. There's a pig flip, a chest bar, a toes bar, and a wall ball mm -hmm. shot. And three of those four are rather ubiquitous and common in training. And one of them is interesting and yeah. unique. And most people don't have that piece of gear. And there's a monkey wrench there. Yeah, for sure. And, and what was really surprising, and, you know, I knew this going into it because when we tested it, we saw this happen. Uh, we had some very high-level athletes that tested this with us. They all got back to the pig well under the time cap. We're talking... 12 minutes for oh, an 18 okay. minute time cap. And then several of them time capped on that pig. So the difference oh, wow. between, yeah, that first 10 that they handled it, no problem. It wasn't a big deal at all. And then having to come back and do it under fatigue was radically different. And you saw that play out. There were some athletes that knew that and they kind of managed the volume in the middle appropriately. And they came back maybe a little later than some of the competitors, but they still had the juice in the tank to do it. And you had others that arrived at the pig pretty early and then fell apart. Frankly, they just couldn't get it together or they had spent themselves too much by the time they'd gotten there. Uh, and then you had others like, I think Laura Horvath is a great example who, you know, she went on to win the whole thing. She got back to that pig and just went on a wrecking streak. She just <laughs> crushed that thing. Like it didn't weigh anything. It was amazing. So yeah, the pig For, was definitely uh, interesting. For a workout like this, with a unique piece of gear, is the pig something that you had in your mind from early on in the season, or did it did it kind of come in as you were putting the pieces of the puzzle together? And it's just like, you know what makes a lot of sense here? I'm gonna blow the dust off the pig. Yeah, a little bit of both. The concept that needs to be there in place was um, the idea that, you know, you have this, like you said, the other movements within this particular event, there's nothing there that's so exotic. They're pretty well-known reps and movements. Um, and so the question is, who can be strong under fatigue? How do you place a heavy element in a workout or a test that's not uh, just solely focused on that? And mm -hmm. what happens when that is in place? So that was really, I guess, if, if I'm thinking about the concept, the concept was where do you put a heavy element that's not in a necessarily heavy test overall? Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of sprinkle it in. And big chunks of that gymnastics work, obviously for a games athlete, you know, a 25 chest to bar isn't something that they're going to have, you know, nightmares about. But then followed <laughs> by 50 toes to bar, 
you're not recovering yeah. anything during a 100 wall ball shots. And then you got to go back down the other side to a 50, to a 25. Then you finally get to the pig. Yeah, there's going to be a lot that's going to add up significantly by the time they get there. So I can see why that second half of the pig was was no joke. Well, and one, one thing, too, is that this one was released, uh, I believe, a week before competition. So athletes knew about it. And on paper, I think a lot of people underestimated it. And watching the games, I think this is an easy thing to do as a spectator. When you look at it in its, on its own, um, you kind of see it without the built-up fatigue, the quick turn that the athletes have had. I mm. mean, the, from the time the athletes left their bike ride to getting back on the field, we're talking, it was less than two hours, I believe. So it's a quick turn. They've already emptied the tank to some degree on a really lower body stamina heavy event mm -hmm. to come right back around and have to be strong. That's a, a kind of an X factor at the games that I think is not easy to pick up on if you're just spectating. So, and that was very deliberate, you know, it's like, okay, people saw this on paper and they thought, oh, okay, whatever, standard run of the mill chipper, I'm gonna dominate this. But the conditions that they entered into it with were a little different. And they weren't done for the day. They had Correct. the inverted medley still waiting for it. them. Yeah. And that, that first one, the ride, not a barbell in sight, no gymnastics work in sight, just some straight out conditioning, engine, monostructural work. Then you get into the mixed modality, heavy chipper there with the pig, big chunks of gymnastics, miserable weight, odd object. And then what ends your day is some high accuracy, inverted gymnastics work with the inverted medley, which it says... For time, 30-foot unbroken handstand walk over a ramp, then eight freestanding handstand push-ups, no thank you, unbroken <laughs> obstacle steps to a 180-degree pirouette, 16 pullovers, it's an interesting thing we should chat about, then unbroken obstacle steps to a 360 pirouette, eight freestanding handstand push-ups, and another 30-foot unbroken handstand walk. So you've got handstand walk, freestanding push-ups, pirouettes, pullovers, Obstacle courses, I mean, holy cow. So walk me through the inverted medley, no pun intended. Yeah, well, if we look at the day, you know, the day starts off with this long event, then you get kind of a mid-range chipper, and now you have a very short event. So a nice flow that way in the sense that you get your time domains well-established. Um, both of the morning events were fairly lower body inclusive, let's say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously a lot of pulling work with the uh, the chest bar and the the toes bar, mm -hmm. um, and so now we're kind of exclusively looking at pressing strength, lockout strength, and overhead strength. So kind of a difference in what they're going to be dealing with. State, I know it's just the oh, end of yeah. day one, but you've yeah. already, my goodness, yeah, for sure. Um, and then again, you know, I think the at this level, it's always trying to push the athletes to challenge their skill set without going so far in that direction that they are unable to do it at all. Um, or, you know, like nobody's trying to make them look silly. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you want to you want to push things forward in a meaningful way. And so we'd experimented with the freestanding handstand pushups in years prior. Um, but it wasn't as it wasn't executed as cleanly, in my opinion. So I think this was a better expression where athletes had a chunk of them to do unbroken it made the standards super clear. So the execution was very cut and dry. Mm -hmm. um, and it placed a premium on their skill because they had a chunk of them to do 
unbroken. And that was really where a lot of the testing lie laid in this one was trying to get that number right. You know, mm -hmm. we played around with, do they have to do all eight unbroken? Is it more than that? Is it less than that? Tweaking that volume to suit the field took quite a lot of time. We, we had a lot of different versions of this one before we landed on the final. How far crossfitters have come with their hands yeah. walking is absolutely sure. remarkable. And it's just one of those things, yeah. once, once they know this is the landscape that I live in now, well, if I want to survive in this landscape, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become competent at this. So mm -hmm. it's cool to see how they rise to a challenge. Why did the pullover make an appearance? Yeah, well, there were a lot of different uh, discussions on that as well. The pullover, we wanted another gymnastics movement. Um, you know, it made sense to have something that kind of broke up the handstand uh, movements a little bit. We had played around with some things. Uh, I'll not not too uh, shy to say it. L sits were definitely something. L sit pull ups rather mm. were definitely something that we had played with. Well, obviously, we'd done a bunch of chest to bar in the morning. Um, L sit pull ups are very difficult to standardize for competition. We weren't sure. confident that we quite had it nailed down yet. Um, I think it's definitely something that in the future could be a reality fantastic movement absolutely uh it's just you know making sure that we can execute it in a way that's fair to the athletes and fair to the judges and all that um anyway so l-sit pull-ups were out they were in an earlier version they were out uh for the final we needed something else we started playing around with the pull-up uh pullover and um you know it's not a very super technical skill most people at that level can pick it up relatively quickly mm -hmm. um but i think again the hidden challenge that it presents is okay the skill on its own is not that hard and not that taxing for athletes at that level but what happens at the tail end of it you have to now come down after all this kind of vestibular work and then still be super accurate on your hands so if you are a little shaky under fresh conditions, when you're a little dizzy, a little fatigued, you really have to have your A game to be successful. And so that's going to be a separator. I was going to say, I don't know how you are if, if at any point in time in your life you could do rides at an amusement park or something like that. But thing, <laughs> things, things have changed as the decades have gone by in my life. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, 16 pullovers, somewhere in there, I'm vomiting on the floor. Like I'd be just <laughs> dizzy and miserable and nauseous. And I would be like, I'm done for the day, everybody. Just time cap me. Uh, if if this handstand walking and handstand push-up seems you know overwhelming to you, what a fantastic point for me to say. Go to verynotrandom.com mm. and check out the cycles that we've got. You can get your first trick handstand push-up, get handstand walking under control, all kinds of cool stuff. So check that out. All right, on to the final the, the next day. Sorry, well, August. Hold 4th. on, let's, oh. Let, let's oh, you got let's, more. Just a little bit more. Okay. You know, no, I, I want to give, give the a viewers shout out what to... they want. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to John Gary, who, you know, he's, he worked for CrossFit for many years, great trainer, uh, did a lot of work helping to develop the kids course. Mm. And he shot me a message right after this one was announced. And he, he's like, man, this is so cool. The pullover is actually something that is recommended in the CrossFit kids course to develop awareness, balance, vestibular activation for young athletes. And I remember Greg Glassman used to talk about that too, that basic tumbling, you know, learning to roll, somersault, all these kind of basic things, it develops a certain amount of body awareness and balance that after about two weeks, you become not immune to the effects of leg dizziness, but you become acclimated to some degree. Right. 
And that's a very perishable thing. So it is kind of a sneaky way to test like, okay, who is playing around with some of these skills and who's mm-hmm. just going to get sidelined by dizziness um, because they haven't been exposed to some of these. And, and again, that's a big part of the challenge for testing some of these skills at the games is, yeah, there's certain things that are absolutely worth training, but they may never make it into the games because they won't standardize well. They won't, mm-hmm. they won't show well in a competition, but that doesn't mean that you can exclude them from your training. And so this is, in my opinion, one way that you can kind of get a little bit of that juice while still having an objective movement that's easy to see and easy to understand on the field. Oh, you should just shout that again, as far as I'm concerned, for the the people in the back, as they say that, you know, you just don't model your training off of what you see in a competition, because there are so many other factors that have to work in a competition setting that don't don't limit mm-hmm. your moves to you know we talk all the time about toes are going to work a lot better in a competition than knees to elbows does that mean knees to elbows mm. suck and have no value yeah absolutely not but anyway yeah and it's antithetical to the whole crossfit mentality in my opinion that you're like well i'm just going to narrow my focus and specialize only on what shows up in competition it's like well you're kind of missing the point mm-hmm. right there so Anyway, I could riff on that all day, so let's let's keep going. <laughs> all right, yeah. we're on we're on day number two. We're making progress. Yep, August fourth, yep. the Alpaca Redux, mm. and so this oh, has man. a but one hundred twenty five foot sled push with the alpaca that's loaded with kettlebells, six different kettlebells, totaling four hundred forty three <laughs> pounds for the women and five hundred forty six pounds for the men. So that's a good sled push. So you push mm. the sled, then you've got a three rounder. The three-rounder is two legless rope climbs, 12 kettlebell clean and jerks, and then a 42-foot sled push. And the sled push weight, you know, changes a little bit over the course of it. But basically, 126-foot miserable sled push, then a three-rounder of legless rope climbs, kettlebell clean and jerks, and sled push with the old alpaca. Yeah, exactly. And so an easy way to think about this one, it doesn't play well on paper, but it's pretty Mm -hmm. simple when you see it laid out. The first push sets the table. You're going to push three sections. Each section, you're going to unload some kettlebells. Now the table's set. Then it's three rounds for time, two rope climbs, 12 clean and jerks, push one section. Mm. And every time you push, you're loading another set into the uh, sled. Gotcha. So it gets heavier. So easy to see it and understand it when it's going down, but it doesn't always write well on on a simplified sheet there. And that loading on the alpaca on the surface that it was pushed on, was that something that the athletes could generally move at a pretty good clip on? Or was it this slow, you know, I'm in first gear at a steady pace kind of a deal? This was intentionally set as a put you in the hole right away and then see who can deal with that and come out on top. There was no way to avoid that first sled push just putting you under it was heavy (laughs) slow dedicated hard effort i mean you saw several people have to take breaks in that first section with that first load Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's a good start yep so right right under and then who can maintain that's kind of the the nature of this and it was a grind slow grind anything that jumps out at you know the legless rope climbs or the kettlebell kettlebell cleaning jerks is such a fantastic movement you know by the way and then Mm -hmm. you've got obviously 
the grip involved with the legless rope climb and you're holding onto the kettlebells there as well. But anything that doesn't leap off the paper that somebody at home might like to hear a little nugget that, you know, you had as the programmer. Yeah, I mean, a couple thoughts. All of the athletes that showed up at the games had done a test at semifinals that included four of these legless rope climbs. So two sets of two. Okay. So they'd all proven that they could be competitive under those conditions. Now, the rig was a little shorter, two sets only, mm-hmm. different, different workout, obviously, but they'd all shown competency. So in this particular expression, they had three sets of two slightly taller and then obviously compounded with the grip work needed for the kettlebells but they'd all shown competence and so that was kind of the x factor was all right everybody knows this movement now it's not a surprise whereas when we tried to do it last year it would have been a little bit more of a surprise because it hadn't been included in competition at the games that way before Uh, but this year it was kind of a known entity Uh, and despite that you still saw some people ride the lightning a little bit and uh, get a little overzealous and blow up and fail a rope climb. And you know how well, that goes. I was going to say that, that was my question. You know, where before I, you know, you said you don't like, hey, like, did it come down to the pig? You know, that where that wording mm-hmm. makes you smile or not. But when you had this workout and you tested and you had a sense of, you know, this might be something that catches people off guard. This might be a bit more difficult than they thought. If, if I think there's a sticky point, it's going to be here. Was it the, was the legless rope climb adding a bit more volume than they saw at the previous stage of competition just fine? Or was that spicier than some people thought? You know, what, what did it actually yeah. play out like? Well, for the most part, I think it was fine. Uh, it, you know, athletes obviously managed it. There were a few exceptions where they didn't, and they ended up kind of augering mm. in. Uh, mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's always tough to watch if it's your favorite competitor, but them's the competition breaks right, right. there. Right, right. Um, But I I think what's kind of sneaky about this is it's kind of in direct contrast to something like the pig chipper where the majority of the work is fast cycle time, short breaks, you know, you're kind of right back to it. You're managing the fatigue, but in in a very different environment. This was heavy from the get-go. Every rep is a grind, Mm -hmm. much different type of pace from start to finish. Um, And you have to be really smart about how you're going to break it up. Now, People look at the rope climbs and they think that's going to be the real differentiator. But to be honest, the majority of the time was spent on the kettlebells and the sled. So it's easy to get kind of wrapped into, oh, the rope climbs. But if you didn't have a solid way to get through the rest of it, it didn't matter how good your rope climbing was. And you're that you're not using the barbell. The kettlebells are awkward. Mm-hmm. You get the, you know, each arm stabilizing itself overhead and you were so kind yep. to warm them up with the inverted medley the day before to make sure <laughs> that they were feeling so awesome overhead. And again, that's what people don't realize is they're not just walking into this thing fresh. They were waking right. up this morning going, ooh, <laughs> that was yesterday was something. Okay, the alpaca made a, made a return, very cool. The ski bag for time, mm. 30 cows in the ski erg, 30 sandbag squats, 20 cows on the ski erg, 20 sandbag squats. And the sandbag, sandbag weighed 200 pounds for the men and 125 pounds for the women. Yikes. Yeah. And so this is really Ugh. a direct contrast to the alpaca in the sense that the alpaca, you had to be smart about the work from the get-go. As an athlete, you had to understand and manage your own personal strengths and strategize how you would navigate this heavy work through you know a 15 to 18 minute effort the ski bag by contrast 
It's got a and six minute design, time cap there. Yeah, is that you should be able to basically hit it unbroken. You're not going to want to, mm-hmm. but you can. And to be competitive, you're basically going to have to. Mm. And there is no strategizing. It's all gas and no break. And that theme is going to come up in a couple other places later in the weekend. That's, I mean, the skiers, anyone who's been on it knows that it's terrible. But man, a set of 30 sandbag squats, mm-hmm. that loading, and then ending with a set of 20. That's, I mean, so 50 total, but in big chunks, a 30 and a 20. That is absolutely disgusting. I mean, you are a below parallel beast with legs and lungs. If you are grinding that out, that's that's super impressive. And, and to see it there as a, a six-minute time cap, meaning we expect you to do it, you know, faster than that. Wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah, and athletes were a little juiced coming into it uh, in the sense that I think the sled pushes surprised some people how difficult they were and, and that, you know, set them up for a little bit of fatigue coming in, especially on the women's side. We saw that uh, a lot less women finish this one than the men. And what a different, what a different below. I mean, now you've been on, You've been on a bike, um, you've been on the rower, you know, you've uh, pushed a sled here, you had below parallel, quite different the day before, right? Like a set of 100 wall ball squats, a lightweight, big mm-hmm. volume, 100. Now you're talking about a 200 pound sandbag or 125 for a, a chunk of 30 and 20. I mean, so you're already kind of spreading things out. That's very cool. And did that go generally how you thought it was going to go? Yeah, it did. Like I said, I was a little surprised that fewer women than anticipated uh, finished this. And it's funny because we actually got some, you know, kind of jabs from some of the female competitors before this one started because we used a 125-pound bag for the women versus, you know, often it'll be a, a 150 when the men are using 200. Mm-hmm. And so there were a few people that were like, hey, how come not 150 for the ladies? What's going on here? And that's because they hadn't done it yet. After mm, they had mm-hmm. done it, there was nobody that was arguing that it should have been heavier. So <laughs> The same things were not lobbied so, after the event. No, yeah. It's always kind of funny how the perception and the reality can not always match up. And then the second day, August 4th, ended with Helena, which... Helena. It got yes. known, at, or it got announced, I should say, as the games were leading up, that some version of Helen, a classic mm-hmm. name, CrossFit Benchmark, was going to go down. One of my favorite all-time workouts, as a matter of fact. And for anybody at home, the the original Helen, three rounds for time, 400-meter run, 21 kettlebell swings, and 12 pull-ups. And now you've got here, three rounds for time, 400-meter run, 12-bar muscle-ups, and then 21 dumbbell snatches for the 50 or with a 35. Now, somebody might look at this, right, and say, okay, yeah, you really, you really dose that up, right? Okay, so instead of being 12 pull-ups, it's 12 bar muscle-ups. Like, I, I can see that. Yeah, kept the run the same. But 21 dumbbell snatches at, at 50 and 35, like, don't you know how strong these people are? Like, that's way too light. This is a joke. This, this should have been a a hundred pounder and a 70 pounder. Mm. So what was the thought process behind how you came up with Helena? Well, it's funny you say that because we did get a lot of comments. I got a lot of direct messages that were, uh, let's just say less tactful and a little more critical. How and could I have guessed? I know, crazy. But uh, one of them said, <laughs> he basically said, this is an open workout. What are you doing programming this for the big dogs? And my 
internal response. I didn't respond to that because there's no, there's no discussion to be had there. But mm -hmm. my internal response to that is that you don't understand what it is that we're trying to do. In the same way that I've used this analogy a million times, you don't show up to a track meet and watch the 400 meter dash wondering if the athletes will make the distance. Mm -hmm. That's not really the point. The point is, wow, I cannot believe how fast they are able to accomplish this and the cadence with which they can maintain themselves. That's the impressive thing. Uh, I can run 400, you can run 400, we can all run 400, but mm -hmm. man, it's a different thing when you see it done at that level. The wonders and of this, intensity. Exactly. And this is exactly the same approach where original Helen, there's nothing about that that scares you. You look at the 400, you're like, ah, it's not that far. You look at the dumb or the uh, kettlebells, you're like, it's not that heavy. There's not that many. You look at the pull-ups and you're like, okay, 12, like I can do 12. Mm -hmm. You look at the total number of rounds, you're like, in the first round, I, I'm fresh. Last so round, I know Helen it's over. So beautiful. <laughs> the second round is the only one that I really don't want to do, you know? And yet when you put all those things together, you get something really potent, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing it the way that you're supposed to and you're, you're you know, running as if somebody's chasing you. Mm -hmm. um, and so trying to preserve that original intent was very important. Just dialed up enough so that these athletes could showcase some of their abilities. And, um, and when you were coming up with this and walking into testing, was that your goal thinking back to the original hell and like, okay, look, I'm going to change this a little bit, but I want to make sure if they hit the bar muscle-ups that they're holding on to the bar. Exactly. And if they, you know, they touch and you go and you know, quick, fast changes with the dumbbell snatch so that it's all going to come down to sending it on the run. Yeah. Uh, being aggressive on all three movements is what's important. You know, there's no time to waste. It's like, yeah, even if you could do all 12 of the bar muscle ups, which everybody had to at this level, if you broke them up, that was going to mm -hmm. be people passing you. Um, it was also about, uh, you know, can I cycle that in a way that is aggressive? and not taking my time on every single rep and still hitting the standard and being accurate, mm -hmm. all of these things. And so the whole point is that there should be at no time in the athlete's mind, I am already strategizing where my rests are gonna come in. No, that's not what this one is about. Again, all gas, no break, and just pedal to the metal. And that, that's what ended up happening. I mean, Jeff Adler took this one it looked like Will Morad was going to win it for the uh, men's side. I think he had Jeff a Adler won this one. And I, I actually, like I said, I didn't follow this. Yeah. I, did, I genuinely did not know that. So Will wow. Morad, okay. a, he was just over eight minutes, I believe. It was eight, 8.05 wow. or something. And then Jeff got in just under eight, uh, which is incredible. That I mean, you think cooking. about that. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. And, and Jeff Adler, who obviously is profoundly fit, as the games you know, showed, but mm -hmm. is somebody who potentially earlier on in his career, while being incredibly fit, was maybe labeled as he's a strong guy. He loves to, loves to see a heavy yep. barbell, guy's super strong. Now, the heaviest thing you're lifting in this is a 50-pound dumbbell, and you better have some stamina and speed. And he won it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one other thing to note here is that we had all of the age group and adaptive athletes do traditional Helen earlier in their competition. That's cool. It was awesome. And it's one of those things that we saw it over and over and over again. If you think that this is not enough, quote unquote, for athletes at this caliber, 
ask them when they came over the finish line or just go back and watch it and look at the condition that they're coming over the finish line in. When you put yourself to the test and hold yourself to a high standard on something like this, there's no question as to whether or not it was enough when you're done. No, it's like you said back with watching some Olympic trials or whatnot, and they run the 400 meters and they're so fast and nobody goes, next year we should make it 450 meters. Like nobody says right. that. You're like just you bringing the heat is enough. Okay, so that closes up the second day of competition. You're halfway through the games. You've got two days left. You wake up feeling absolutely fantastic after a well-balanced <laughs> meal, a good night's sleep. And then, you know, you're so kind that, you know, you maybe you know they're feeling a little bit roughed up. So, hey, no loading. You get the cross-country 5K. You're just going to go for a nice jog. Yep. And that's it. Straight up. It was uh, three laps around the track that uh, the uh, course that we had laid out. It was a mixed surface, uh, mixed terrain type of cross country run. So there was a flat track on the pavement to start it off. They ran through the campsite over a kind of hard packed gravel, uh, up an incline on a grassy surface, uh, down some kind of brush trails and then back into the stadium. So they got a good mix. We actually, as a staff, ran the course a couple nights prior to competition. And um, I have to say, I really enjoyed the course. It was enough variety that by the time you got sick of, um, I don't wanna be on the straight stretch anymore, I don't wanna be pounding the pavement, something else kind of came down the pipe. So it did kind of keep it fresh. Was there always room or was there any single track? No, there was plenty of room. There was a, it was a very wide, space so okay yeah. gotcha. if you wanted to pass there was always room to do that and do you remember at that point in time uh was it pretty darn blistering hot all the days or how was it uh out there running during the 5k that morning <clears throat> uh it was hot on thursday and friday so okay. like during the alpaca it was really hot <laughs> on on saturday when the 5k happened it was significantly cooler still pretty warm out, but it wasn't nearly as rough as some of the other days. So thankfully, it was a pretty decent condition to run in. Okay, so the Cross Country 5K finishes up. And then the second event for that day is something called intervals, mm -hmm. which I like the look of because it looks very simple, it looks clean, and no one's bogged down with a tremendous amount of weight. So you're giving people an opportunity to really press the gas is what it looks like to me. So it's two intervals for total time, 21 box jump overs, 15 calorie row, nine burpee box jump overs, 21 box jump overs, 15 calorie row, nine burpee box jump overs. And you've got some different height boxes in there. You rest until the six minute mark, and then you do a little bit of a different version of that same thing. Nine mm -hmm. burpee box jump overs, 15 calorie row, 21 burpee box jump overs, Nine burpee box jump overs, 15 calorie row, 21 burpee box jump overs. Again, for anyone at home, call it up on your screen. You'll be able to see it laid out. When you see it laid out, it's very clear. You know, when I walk through it verbally there, you're probably like, what was the middle part? But you've got just what? Just short and sharp right here? 100%. And again, another no room to strategize if you want to take this event. It was fast. I mean, the fastest competitors did each length. You think about it as one big down rest and then one big back. Okay. And and the best competitors were doing each of those in less than four minutes. So they oh, were wow. down. Okay, see, 
that that helps as well because like i said i didn't get an opportunity to see this so now i can mm-hmm. picture what you're saying when i read it like that and it's inverted when you read the second one it was a down that hit it back gotcha okay that makes exactly. more sense to me so yep. basically they would work down to one end of the stadium rest until the six minute mark and then work back <laughs> i bet that little period of rest as they were watching the clock approach six minutes was just like oh this is flying by this is gonna stick yep well and the knowledge of okay pat beat me by five seconds on the way down so not only do i have a hard effort on the way back but if i want to be competitive with pat i got to be five seconds ahead of him Mm. it's not enough to just beat you down i have to beat you by the margin that i was beat on the way there so a little bit of a mind game for some of the athletes too if they maybe paced a little bit too much on the way in You know, you have that knowledge of like, not only do I have to beat Pat, I have to beat him by a margin. And that's tough. You know, of all these, so we've walked through three, this is the eighth event that we're walking through right now. And I think thus far, don't get me wrong, eventually I'd like to watch them all. But now when I'm prioritizing things in my head, when I think about what we've discussed so far, I think what I'm going to go back and want to watch, find on YouTube and check out is Helena. I'm going to want to go watch that. And I think it, I'm going really to want to watch the intervals. <laughs> yeah, the, the Helena was so fun to watch. And this one was too. And I, I mean, I you just see, see some, some really go for broke is what I want to yes, see. You see some really gutsy performances because there's no other choice. I mean, they just had to go for it. And this is also kind of a turning point where you saw some athletes start to fall off. You know, you're eight events deep. You start mm-hmm. to have the fatigue of the competition build up. And you saw some people come out that you would expect on paper, this might be an amazing event for them. But mm-hmm. because of the rest of the toll the competition has started to take, they're not as recovered as well, and they didn't perform as well as maybe you thought they would have. And so now we go to the final event on August 5th, which is an Olympic toll. Let me see here, mm-hmm. which is interesting, because as far as August 5th goes, you're closing out the day with the Olympic total. This is the first barbell that they've touched today. If I look back over the whole competition, Monday, excuse me, August 3rd, had no barbell in it, you had the pig. August 4th, you had the kettlebells, you had sandbags, you had a dumbbell, you had no barbell there. So here we heavy are- Heavy kettlebells. Heavy kettlebells, but you're talking about mm-hmm. like barbell, which is, you know, people love, which is interesting. This is, uh, you know, you're finally breaking it out and it's on the final event on day three. So that A is very cool because I probably threw some people for a loop. They probably thought they'd see something sooner and they're going to perform an Olympic total, a one rep max snatch, and a one rep max clean and jerk, a couple of the most technically complicated movements you can do with a barbell on the face of the earth, period. Mm. And you're nine events Mm. deep of fatigue, of your CNS being fried, of the whole nine yards. I mean, so this is going to be some good lifting. Yeah, and it was a high pressure situation. I mean, it's much different than an Olympic lifting meet where you've got all day your division kind of rolls through in a long period of time, lots of, you know, time between attempts, things like that. This was not that at all. Athletes had about four minutes between attempts. Okay. They only got, they only got two attempts at each lift. And all so right. it was very the high pressure situation high. for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I think th- like this was a super fun event to watch in my opinion. Uh, you know, you oh, see some just Things like home this are always, always crowd favorites too. Absolutely. I mean. Yeah, you see some home runs, you see some amazing saves, you know, everything that you'd want out of a big barbell event. 
Um, but then if you pull back and you think about the context of the day, to me, this really highlights what the CrossFit Games are all about and what the breadth of athlete that gets developed through high-level pursuit of CrossFit mm -hmm. uh, turns out to be. So this day is one of those things that I encourage anybody who's interested in CrossFit to do your own mini version of. Everybody can go out and do a 5K run in the morning, have a little bit of a break, come back, hit up this interval workout that's mm -hmm. not so technical. It doesn't have like a ton of, you know, high level elements to it. Yep. And then find your total in the evening. You could replicate this competition day pretty easily. Everything's accessible. And then stack up your numbers versus some of the top, top dogs in the division. It's pretty astounding to see the speed at which these athletes could run in the morning and then the weight that they could lift in the evening. And, and Jeffrey Adler is a great example. And they're right? on day three. Exactly. So Jeff Adler took second place in the, in the cross-country run. And then I don't remember where he placed in the intervals offhand. But then he came out and did a 360-pound clean and jerk that evening. I mean, we're talking the same athlete on the same day showing that range of capability. That is exactly what the CrossFit Games is all about. That's pretty so, awesome. Yeah, so try this. I would encourage anybody to, uh, if, you, if you like this kind of stuff, pick a Saturday, see if you can do like a, your own kind of replication of, of the CrossFit Games Saturday events um, and see how you stack up. It's a pretty fun little thing to do because all of us can engage with those three at our own level. I mean, you you ask a lot, Boz. Nobody's going to run a five k. So for the <laughs> for the final thing, though, on that day, the Olympic total, you know, you've got a you've got a blank slate. You're programming out the game season, and whatnot. You've got so many lifts that you can choose from, from the classic powerlifts to Olympic lifts to something like a thrust. I mean, whatever it happens to be. Do you recall your thought process as to why you liked the Olympic lifts for this? Yeah, the, I mean, the theme was kind of back to basics, and the theme that kept kind of coming back through my head was, um, you know, if we go back to the original CrossFit methodology, it was a combination of, okay, who's the fastest runner? Well, the track athlete, um, you know, who's the strongest and most athletic, um, athlete. Well, it's the, the weightlifter in, mm -hmm. in that pure sense. Okay. Who's got the most coordination and, and, uh, you know, ability to, uh, move their body through space. Well, it's the, the gymnast. And so I wanted a single modality test that was relatively classic in all three of those. So the 5K was obviously for the monostructural element, the Olympic lifting total for the weightlifting, and then the handstand uh, inverted medley for the gymnastics. So you put those together and you've got a pretty complete athlete. It'd be interesting, and this isn't always how it plays out, but just for craps and giggles, you know, it'd be interesting to go back and just look at those three events, mm -hmm. rank order that, and then see how did it shake out over the course of the entire leaderboard out of just curiosity because yep. it'd be because those are three very distinct and unique tests that aren't going to leave too many stones unturned you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but okay mm -hmm. so that finishes up the third day of competition and now you're on the final day august 6th and you start up with something called the muscle up logs mm -hmm. five rounds for time of seven muscle ups and then one sandbag over three logs and you've got some different sandbag weights ranging from 100 pounds for the women, up to 125 pounds for the women. And the men go from 150 to 200. So once again, five rounds for time, seven muscle-ups, one sandbag over three logs. Yeah. And again, this one's really simple on 
the visual of it, maybe not as uh, descriptive on paper. But uh, basically, you have the field set, the rings are on one side of the field, and then at intervals until the end of the field are these high logs. So one log about a third of the way down, second log about two-thirds of the way down, third log at the end of the field. And so you do your muscle-ups, run to the bag, get that bag over the logs, and then run back. And anytime you encounter the logs, you just have to go over them. Roughly what height were the logs? Do you remember? Uh, the, they were four feet, five feet, and five and a half feet. Okay, okay. Yep. The, the you know, not that anybody in CrossFit ever complains about anything, but you might hear something every now and then from tall people that don't like, you know, <laughs> something's against tall people. This must have made some tall people smile, I would think. <laughs> That's, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> but um, yeah, this one was, uh, again, I think it's, there's a lot more fitness kind of masked in this one in the transitions that doesn't necessarily show up on paper mm -hmm. because every round the it's distance that, that you're traveling bag around yeah well and just the distance that you're running back to the rings is not insignificant so there's a lot more huffing and puffing in this one and it was a lot more uh, of a quick event than i think a lot of people thought it would be on paper um you know the top times for this were between seven and eight minutes so oh, it's wow. again a a very uh, kind of sustained effort where if you want to be competitive, this is an unbroken push the pace type of event. Okay. Yeah. I, I like it. I like, it's just a cool element of the sandbag, you know, makes an appearance again, sort of the barbell, that just miserable, odd object, and then getting it up and over some sort of implement that starts to vary in height and you're getting more fatigued as the rounds go on. That's pretty cool. And then you still get a well, nice high school gymnastics there. And that's exactly it, is you kind of have this contrast of a movement that's going to take some skill and finesse to be able to navigate quickly and efficiently, and then you've got just grunt work where mm -hmm. it's not really about your strategy. Um, you just have to be able to get the job done. Second event for that day, there was, again, there was three events each day, so where two events left in the games is the parallel bar pull, the P-bar pull. Eight mm -hmm. rounds for time, down and back, P-bar traverse. 30 heavy rope double unders, one section hand over hand sled pull. So no, yeah, no barbell in sight once again. Nope. The classic monostructural gymnastics and weightlifting triplet. Uh, the idea here was that this was going to be more upper body dominant. You know, I have a mm -hmm. lot of kind of lower body dominant type of, of workouts. And I think that that happens pretty regularly um, where there's oh, sure. often a lot of events and workouts that favor the lower body dominant athlete. This is kind of the inverse of that. A lot of grip strength, a lot of upper body strength, not only in the supports, but you know, kind of the sustained position for the double unders and then obviously with the pulling. Um, and the, the inspiration for this was, uh, if you go back, I, I can't remember if it was 13 or 14, uh, where there was the push-pull event that was done in the um, in the tennis stadium. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. In, in Carson. And uh, there was these heavy sled pulls across the Coliseum. And that was kind of the inspiration. Was It was just such a cool visual and created so many dramatic uh, finishes while at the same mm -hmm. time being very legit. Um, so we thought, okay, how can we, how can we kind of take that theme and include it here? I think that one had some handstand push-ups in it back in the day. It did. But yeah, yep. Did you... 
how are the athletes now with the PBAR? Is it very obvious that everyone's just working it into their training and there was a, a good degree of competency on that apparatus? Absolutely. It was, it was not a problem for any of them. And, okay. uh, and honestly, wasn't really meant to be as far as, you know, I didn't expect anybody to be completely tripped up. Um, again, this is really just an upper body stamina test to see who could be uh, fastest, who could attack it mm -hmm. and, and keep coming back. Oh, you gotta, hey, if it, look, Adrian, give the viewers what they want. If it wasn't hard, next, <laughs> next, next year you either got to cover it in pig grease or something or uh, set it on fire. I mean, something's going to happen, yeah. right? It's, it's yeah. going to be 120 feet long set of P-bars that Rogue makes. All right. Uh, the final event has two words in it that nobody wants to see together, which is echo and thruster. Mm -hmm. Echo thruster final for time. 21 18 15 of echo bite calories your friend and mine the thruster and the thruster bar gets a bit heavier each round that's set of 21 85 for the women 115 for the men the set of 18 95 pounds for the women 135 for the men and that final set of 15 is a 105 pound thruster for the women 155 for the men and after you finish that miserable couplet of echo bike calories and thrusters that keep getting heavier, you have a 66 foot overhead walking lunge to the finish with the heaviest barbell. What a yeah, nightmare. Buddy. What a nightmare. Yep. Just oh. classic. I, mean, I love nowhere it. Nowhere to hide. It. Right. Yep. Straight down the pipe CrossFit. I mean, and this is. Was this just a classic? Um, you know, uh, Paulson send it kind of a deal or how did it, uh, how did this go here? Yeah. I mean, I think athletes at this point were tired, obviously, <laughs> but they, yeah, but they could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so, you know, honestly, you saw a lot more kind of reservation until they got to the final sets. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody was trying to vie for an unbroken lunge, uh, or at least as, as well as they could. Gotcha. Um, so you had, especially in the earlier heats, I think you had some people come out a little bit maybe too conservative. And ultimately, they you know, may have been able to go a little bit faster if they were a little more aggressive out the gate. Um, but by the final heats, you saw that you know, the athletes were really kind of going what's, for it. Um, what's disgusting and terrible about this workout, other than the obvious things that make it disgusting and terrible, is... For the final event of the competition, you know, when you're feeling how the athletes must have been feeling, but you, and you also know if you went back and probably scrubbed the leaderboard, that there are some people who would have some amazing stories to share that they knew if they did something borderline heroic, they could, mm -hmm. you know, jump two spots in the leaderboard. Yep. This will propel me into the top 10. Like whatever it was, they're like, if I'm willing to dance with the devil, which is the last thing I want to do. I can walk away a hero. And I bet there were some people who went for it because they knew this is oh, it. Yeah. This is the last, this is the last event of the games. And that's, that's a great event for that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, it was just a very linear, we set it up so that there were three bikes in every lane, three barbells in every lane. So just this linear advancement, you can see exactly where everybody is, um, you know, very dramatic finish and super legit. I mean, I wouldn't want to do this just with 95 pounds at all three no, no, no. Rep, rep ranges, never mind the increasing loads. And, and that is something that's so impressive about these athletes. 
is when you go back and watch it, it looks like it's just a 95 pound barbell for them or 65 for the ladies all the way through. And then you go back and, you know, you realize that it's increasing and they're still, you know, maybe they take a, a break mm-hmm. on that set of 18, but there's many of them that are just going right through. And uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. So the level that these athletes are at, uh, it never ceases to amaze. Oh, that's why they do the events and I talk about the events. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that's my, my hat's off to them. I mean, all yep. year long. So in, in hindsight, you know, because sometimes the best laid plans don't go how you thought or, or, you know, sometimes amazingly, you know, they do when, it, when the dust settled from the final one and you had a moment to sit down and catch your breath and maybe you woke up the next day and had a cup of coffee and thought back on it. Generally flowed how you wanted or a couple of things that you're like, mm, I'm going to, this was a little, I'm going to tweak this for next year. You know, what was your sense from the little nuances and the insight that you had when you looked back in the rear view mirror? Yeah, overall, really happy. And and overall, I, I think the decision to really kind of treat this year as a, a classic expression of CrossFit um, paid off. You know, like it, in a lot of ways, it was a return to many basics. And uh, I think that allowed a really smooth execution from our team. And then also, I think it gave the athletes an opportunity to not get so hung up on what may be different, but instead just say, okay, I know this. This is not anything that I need to uh, get overly intellectual about, and I can just show what my capacity is. So from that regard, I I thought it was good. Um, You know, I think in a perfect world, having a little bit more time on the books to be able to do another long event would have been nice. Mm. You know, the longest event that we had all weekend was the ride right out the gate, and it was about 45 minutes for, for a lot of athletes. So having another opportunity to stretch even longer than that would have been great. Um, and indeed, we've done that in years past. And uh, also notably, this is the first year in a long time that there hasn't been a swimming event. So that was kind of fun. Oh, that's to, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun to uh, to take a left turn there. Um, I bet people kept, it, kept expecting that to get dropped and expecting <laughs> it to get dropped. Yeah. I think up until about Saturday, people were still thinking it was going to happen. And then by then, they were like, okay, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not going to be this year. Yeah. Oh, very cool, man. As as always, you know, all the fans of the sport, programming nerds, you know, and, and that's just, that doesn't even take into account the other just untold logistics of trying to pull off an event this size and how much behind the scenes work goes on for so long before the first fan shows up to sit mm-hmm. down in the seats, the whole nine yards. So obviously big thanks to everybody, every member of every team that, you know, helped make this thing an actual reality. And thanks to you for, you know, giving us a little look under the hood that maybe most people wouldn't have the opportunity to do. You know, just genuinely appreciate it. Man, my pleasure. It's uh, it's always an amazing thing to be a part of. Um, you know, it's challenging. We always joke that whether you're a spectator, um, staff, an athlete, a vendor, you know, the games week is exhausting. It's just a huge, all-in, big thing. And to get your arms around that is uh, is difficult, but it's a pleasure being a part of it. So happy to do it. And just like this, we'll we'll blink and we'll be talking about next year. So, you know, it's Man, gonna, it's gonna yeah. go by. So, well, yeah, appreciate it. And as always, hope you hope everybody out there enjoyed the show. You want to help support the show? Go to verynotrandom.com. Check out all the different VNR cycles that we offer from 
first trick pull-up, just some barbell work, do handstand work, ring muscle-ups, and whole nine yards will get you covered. Appreciate the support. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.